0: The text for this morning's sermon is Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. need Your Spirit to give us understanding now as we come to Your Word. God, I pray that we wouldn't just understand in our mind, but that our heart would be humbled by Your Word, encouraged by Your Word. And Father, we pray for change in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've been watching the news or reading the news uh, considering all that's going on with North Korea and what Dave just prayed about, but as the United Nations have assembled together, the North Korean foreign minister, Ri Yong-ho's remarks were concerning speaking on behalf of North Korea, he said targeting the U.S. mainland with his rockets was inevitable. Something that's uh, just going to have to happen. He went on to say that uh, our President Donald Trump is a mentally deranged person full of megalomania and complacency who is trying to turn the United Nations into a gangster's nest. As an American, I wonder if you think North Korea is being wise at this point in time in history. Is it a good idea to provoke the United States of America and challenge them to a war. To say, we'll take you on, we'll go on the offensive, we will attack you. I wonder how many in here would like to be on the other end making these threats against the United States of America. I wonder if you would want to be on the other end mocking any American president challenging them to war. Now my guess is, no matter what you think of the president, that you would not want to be on the other end of those threats because you think the United States has a stronger army. It would be inviting a war that you are surely going to lose Well, as foolish as you might think North Korea is, my argument today is going to be that you and I can be more foolish than they. That we can live in such a way where we actually mock the God of the universe who is so much more strong than the United States of America. Who is far more honorable than the President of the United States of America, could it be that though we look at North Korea and say they 're fools, that we ourselves could be more like fools because we don 't understand this key principle we see in verse seven of our text? Now, I know our text starts at verse six, but what Paul often does is is he gives an, a specific advice to a church, and then he lays out its principle. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the principle first, and then we're going to go look at three ways this principle unfolds. As I was looking ahead to these verses uh, a few weeks ago, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to preach that text? How does this text hold together? This is one of the my favorite parts of studying God's Word is I can't tell you how many times I read it and I think, how is there going to be a sermon there? And then you study it and it's like you can't wait for Sunday to come because what you see there is so vital to understand. And I'm here to tell you, not because I'm preaching this message, but because of what's here This is so vital for you to understand. God speaking through the Holy Spirit to Paul in verse seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that also will he reap. Don't be deceived. There is one being in this universe that cannot be mocked in the sense that God will always get the last word. There may be mockers now. There won't be mockers then. Do not be deceived. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to people who have trusted in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit has been manifest in their lives. And yet Paul's concerned that they may be tricked. They may be deceived. They may not believe a principle that is lock solid true and will never end. And that is this principle. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. If that statement is not true, then God is mocked. But if that statement is true, that we reap what we sow, then God's principle that He spoke to us through His words stands. I want to show you this in several places. Genesis 8.22 After the flood and after God said He's never going to flood the earth again in that way, says this about the earth. While earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Seed time and harvest will not cease. It'll continue to be that way what does it mean for whatever one sows that will he also reap here's what it means if you sow a seed that is corn you're going to reap corn it's never going to turn into a bean if you sow a bean seed, you're going to get a bean crop. If you sow a wheat seed, you'll get a wheat crop. If you sow half a field with corn seed, you're going to get half a field of a crop. I know some of you are farmers and say, not always. No, we're not God. We don't send the rain. But it is true. You will never get a full field of a crop by sowing half the field with seed. God is not mocked. This principle is true. If you sow bad seeds, you will receive a poor crop. It's a principle. God is not mocked. And Paul's concerned that you and I and the Galatians will be tricked. We'll be tricked into thinking that we can sow one thing and get a different result. So let's look at this um, in a few other texts in Scripture so you just feel the truthfulness uh, of this. In Job 4, eight, here's how Job says the same principle. As I have seen, as he's observed, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same those who plow iniquity and sow trouble so you plow dirt that sin and sow trouble in that dirt you're going to reap the same you're going to reap iniquity and you're going to reap trouble in your life, Job says. In Hosea 8.7, he says, for they sow to the wind and they shall reap a whirlwind. If you sow seeds to the wind, you'll reap an F5 tornado or a hurricane. You reap what you sow. So let's see how this principle helps us understand verses uh, six through ten. I think this whole section holds together when we recognize uh, the principle that we reap what we sow. God is not mocked. Let's go back to verse six. And, and uh, number one in your notes: Do not grow weary of providing for one another. Let the one who is Taught the word, share all things with the one who teaches. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. There's a principle all throughout the scripture that uh, God lays out that the laborer deserves his wages. It's taught by Jesus. It's taught by Paul. It's taught in the Old Testament. Uh, in Luke 10.7, Jesus said, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking. So Jesus sends out the 72, the disciples, to do ministry. And He says, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. He's saying you go do the ministry and stay there. They should feed you because you're there ministering to them. Uh, Paul makes explicit use of the sowing and reaping metaphor uh in several places, uh, we just saw it in our text. In Romans 15:26, uh, we see this principle at play. There's the Jerusalem church which is really poor in suffering. A bunch of Jews went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and Jesus Christ was crucified, and some of them were saved. They didn't have a home to go back to because Christ is their life now. So the poorest church in the world at this time was the church in Jerusalem. Brand new Christians. And so the Apostle Paul is going around to the Gentile churches gathering an offering to bring back to the Jews. Jewish Christians. Here's what he says. For Macedonian and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their blessing, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessing. Here's what he's saying. You Gentiles were blessed through the Jews. Isn't it right that you bless them with material blessing? You might be thinking right now, oh, come on, Pastor. How long are you going to talk about? (laughs) Those who are taught the Word need to share all good things with the teacher. Unfortunately, we have all sorts of examples of this principle not being used to the glory of God but being used to the glory of false teachers. Uh, In fact, uh, Martin Luther, when he raised up uh, at the time of the Reformation, saw a Roman Catholic church where the leaders were absolutely filthy rich, getting rich off a principle like this. Um, Paul gives us, I think, more to the story that keeps us from uh letting Christian teachers abuse the flock of God and, uh, and abuse this principle. In First Timothy 5.17, here's what Paul says. Let the elders who rule well be considered uh, worthy of double honor, especially those who toil and preaching and teaching. Now that word labor or toil is this idea of a farmer that is working his rear end off, putting in a crop, and laboring, not a spiritual leader who is taking advantage of a flock. We do not pay... Christian ministers who do not labor and toil over caring for the flock of God. We shouldn't. Way too many pastors are getting paid though they do not labor as a good laborer in the Word. Now I can just tell you, and I know Scott would attest to this as well, we're preaching to the choir. You guys have been so kind to Scott and I. So encouraging to Scott and I. It's come out of your hearts. You want to take care of your pastors. And it's an absolute blessing to serve you. And um, where it says share all good things, this doesn't mean your boat, this doesn't mean all these other things. It has the idea of the needs of life the laborer deserves his wages. If ministers come to you and minister to you all day long, you should feed them supper at the end of the day. That's the principle uh, we see all throughout Scripture. And it's attached directly to this. You reap what you sow. If you labor in sowing, there will be a reaping. And... uh, uh, Jesus says things like this, judge not, you'll not be judged. Condemn not, you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, run o- running over, will be into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it'll be measured back to you. Here's the principle. If you give with a big measure, like a garbage can measure, if that's how you live your life and give, That garbage can's going to be in your lap for all eternity, overflowing with the joy of Christ. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. You reap what you sow. God is not mocked. And remember, this is in the context of walking with the Spirit. Chapter 5, we're talking about we can either walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. When you walk in the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are manifest. And when you walk in the Spirit, you can bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. So now we're in this text where he's saying, church, those ministers or those teachers who teach you, uh, you ought to pay them. Now, we know Paul argued that this is true for himself and then denied the payment. He was getting all sorts of accusations. He was doing it for the money, so he built tents so no one could accuse him of that. But he understood the principle. Look at point 2 do not grow weary in fighting for personal holiness. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh, right after he says, God is not mocked, you reap what you sow, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what's the Christian life like? You become a Christian. Is it pretty much living in this neutral time when I'm waiting to go to heaven now? I'm just, I'm just sitting here coasting. Everything I'm doing is neutral. I'm not hurting anybody. Is that, is that what the Bible gives us? I'm afraid that so many evangelical Christians live their lives as though what they do in the flesh, or while they're on earth, while they're on this earth, does not matter. Because they just do this. There's heaven, there's hell. If I have Christ, I go to heaven. If I don't have Christ, I go to hell. So once I have heaven, well now I just do whatever I want with this time. That is so sad. That's when we're deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. And the illustration we had in chapter five was there's a battlefield. And there's a war between two enemies that are always directly the opposite. The flesh, which is your own selfish desires and passions inside of you. And the spirit, which is trying, which is trying to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that you can live for God's will and for the good of others. There's the battlefield. That's the illustration in chapter 5. In chapter 6, it's a different field. You're a farmer in this illustration. Before you're a Christian, you have one field, and it's not a very good one. It's called the field of the flesh. And every seed you have, you go and you sow in that field, and your life produces corruption that will lead to eternal death. But there's really good news, Christians. God has given us the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit to live inside us. As a Christian, you're a farmer and you have two fields. You have 40 acres over here called flesh. You have 40 acres over here called spirit. And what you sow to the flesh, don't be deceived, will reap corruption. You going to mock God? Do you really think you can sow over here to your own selfishness and reap personal holiness and a change life and have the fruits of the Spirit? You don't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control unless you plant your seeds in the field of the Spirit. That's the principle. God is not mocked. John Stott says this, this is a vitally important and much neglected principle of holiness. We are not helpless victims of our nature. There's some Christians that just say, well, yeah, I still have the flesh, so I'm going to sin until the day I die. So I'm just waiting for Christ to come back because then I'll be perfect. But right now, I mean, what am I going to do? I sin all the time. That's a person who's victimized because they think they're not seeing clearly their life, their the nature that they have. They're victims of their nature or temperament and environment. On the contrary, what we become, Stott says, depends largely on how we behave. Our character is shaped by our conduct. He says, thus, the Holy Spirit is likened to a path in which we walk, Galatians 5, into a field in which we sow, Galatians 6. How can we expect to reap the fruit of the Spirit if we do not sow in the field of the Spirit? The old adage is true. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. This is good biblical teaching. Stott says, Could it really be true that you grow as a Christian not by sitting there saying, Lord, change my heart. Lord, change my heart. He's still not changing my heart. Lord, change my heart. He's not answering my prayers. God's sovereign. I'm going to change when God changes my heart. He's the one that gave me a new heart. Is that how the Christian life works? God gives us a new heart sovereignly. He makes the new creation. He resurrects us. And then we're told there's two fields and you're a farmer and you are always planting. Everywhere you go, you're sowing seeds. And main, the main seeds that we sow as Christians are our thoughts and our actions. You're always thinking and you're always acting. And you're either sowing those seeds in this field of the flesh or this field of the Spirit. And do not be deceived to think that you can go with your mind and your actions over here and get spiritual results. It cannot happen. And when we live like that, we mock God and say, Reap what you sow is not a principle that's true. And so Paul is teaching we need to sow to the Spirit, just as in chapter 5, he said we need to walk along the path of the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. So let's think about it practically. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? It is to use your mind in the actions to no one else's benefit but your own. It's to act totally selfishly. You know, what do we do? We make categories in our mind and we don't get these from Scripture. We're kind of like, here's going to be my other people time. Here's where I'm going to live for other people in God. This is hard, so I deserve my me time. This is all about me. And then... We might even admit that sometimes we just have bad days where we're just living to be evil. You know, this is what we do, but as a Christian, we're bought with a price. We're a new creation. Everything we do, all of our thoughts, all of our actions ought to be to the glory of God and good of another. To sow to the flesh is the opposite of loving God and bearing one another's burdens. It's 100% self-centered. So you should all be asking yourselves, how do I sow to the flesh and how am I reaping corruption in my life because of it? I think it'll be helpful to read what Stott says about this. To sow to the flesh is to pander to it to cuddle it, to stroke it instead of crucifying it. Oh, you've been serving everyone else. It's about time you get some you time. You know what? Nobody appreciates you anyways. Oh, you poor thing. You know, the world really should revolve around you. (laughs) This, This is what we do. We're supposed to be crucifying this. Remember the illustration Paul gave? When you became a Christian, you nailed your old self to the cross. It's the process of dying. We all wish the old Adam would die quicker, but our job is to, by the Spirit, put to death the flesh, keep it on the cross. So Stott says to sow to the flesh is to cuddle it, to stroke it instead of crucifying it. The seeds we sow are largely our thoughts and deeds, he writes. Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance. You know what? That was wrong. You know, we start doing this. It's so easy to do. entertain an impure fantasy or wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh every time we linger in bad company whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk which strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. Some Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on where we sow. Does it really matter what we're thinking about when we're just burning 10 minutes of our time? When we're driving across town? Does it really matter when we start to wallow in self-pity? This text says, If you're gonna plant that seed, you're gonna reap the ugliness of that harvest that'll come out of that. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. When a fight breaks out between a husband and wife or two friends, there's a whole lot of thinking and planning that goes on before words fly. That's why some of the most articulate language you'll ever hear is in a fight. It's like they outdo Johnny Cochran, the best defense attorney ever. Because we think about all the ways we've been wrong. We think about it, we think about it, we think about it, we think about it. And then if you're as deceived as I can be sometimes, the whole time I'm thinking about this, I'm saying, man, I'm holy, I'm keeping my mouth shut. As I'm building an argument, and I think I'm going to be able to keep my mouth shut and then a harvest of absolute fighting... Rebellious language comes out of my mouth. And then I can even be so deceived to say, I did pretty good. I kept my mouth. I wanted to say that 11 times before it actually came out. So you see how crazy and deceived we can be? We need to know when we're sowing seeds to our flesh, to lies. Think about it. In Christ, you have eternal blessings beyond what anyone can imagine. There is more content to think about and be thankful for than you can even... We're going to go all eternity praising God off this content. We can't imagine it. And yet, there's a temporary time where we still live in a fallen world and God's even using that to for our good. But we can spend all of our time thinking about this when our minds could go to this which is true, which is going to produce spiritual life in us, which will mean we will love others and love God. What you do with your thinking matters. This is why it's so important in your public life to sow seeds of the Spirit. Why do you go to church Sunday morning? I don't know. Do you need to sow seeds in this field over here? Do you need public encouragement to do that? Why go to a Bible study? I don't know. Do you need encouragement to sow seeds over here in your private life? Why read your Bible? Why do devotions? Do you need to hear what the Spirit's saying so you can sow seeds into the Spirit and reap eternal life and the fruits of the Spirit? Take your leisure once. How do you use So isn't leisure just this category that's neutral? No, it's not. You can go on a walk saying, this is my walk. I'm going on a walk. And the whole time you're on the walk, you could say, I'm getting ripped off like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. Or you can go on a walk and say, it's unbelievable. God keeps giving me breath. Look at these trees. Think about, I can't imagine that I get to spend all eternity with Christ. Look at all I deserve is hell and the majority of my life is blessing. Look at all these things. You can go on a walk in two different ways. If that's what you like to do in your leisure time, you can do it in one way or another. Here's a question. Is what you do in all the areas of your life for you or for other people? Here's the thing. Do we need a break? Yes, we need a break. Do we need leisure time? Yes, we need a leisure time. You know why? Our leisure time is to serve and love others. You know, if we need a little alone time, you know I know the purpose is? is so that we can love others. I want to make a challenge to the cell phone generation. And I'm making the challenge right at me. How often when we're doing this am I sowing seeds for the good of others? How often? How often could I be recognizing people around me but instead... I'm 100% selfish, something that's not going to build me up. Just you might say, "Well, it's not bad. I'm just doing this." Well, yeah, we don't as the beauty of the gospel is is we have the ability not only not to be bad, but we can glorify God and serve others. What areas of your your life are strictly all about you? They will not produce joy. I promise you. God is not mocked. All right. Third, do not grow weary in doing good deeds. So we looked at we ought to pay where we ought to pay, we ought to bless where people serve us, we ought to bless back. That ought to be a principle in us. Then we looked at personal holiness. Where you sow, you're going to reap. Now thirdly, we're looking at just good deeds that we do for the benefit of others. Look at what he says. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Just stop there. If you've been listening to this sermon, you know what Paul's going to say next. Paul, why shouldn't we weary of doing good? Why not? For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. That's the whole world, especially those who are of the household of faith. And that is directly the church. Let's just be honest. Living in a fallen world. It is easy for us to grow weary of serving others and doing good works, is it not? It is easy for us to think this. You know what? Last time I served them, they didn't even appreciate it. You know, I did this the last four times. Someone else can do it. I'm done, servants. Isn't it so easy for us to grow weary? And Paul says, remember, 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 if you sow seeds here, God is not mocked. You will reap the benefit, even of how you sow. If you serve the Aberdeen community, there will be fruit, even if it's not what you expect for your service. You know how I know? This text. In a fallen world, it doesn't turn out perfect, but it will turn out, there will turn out to be a harvest in your own life and in service to others. So Paul says, don't get tired of it. If you're a young parent, I can tell you, you can grow weary of being a young parent and think, does any of this matter? I did it with devotions for four days and they're getting worse. Maybe I ought to just give up. You know what you need to hear? This principle. You reap what you sow. God is not mocked. You know what all of this funnels down to? Every second of your life matters down to your individual thoughts and deeds. There is no neutral field. There is no neutral path. There isn't the path of the flesh, the neutral path, where I take a break, and the spirit path. There isn't the neutral field, the field of the flesh, and the field of the spirit. You know what this all comes down to is your life matters more than you'll ever know. More than you'll ever know. There will never be a time when you sowed a seed to the Spirit where you will not reap exactly what you should reap from God. At the end of 1 Corinthians 15.58, you need to live off verses like this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Don't be deceived. Don't mock God, Christian. Don't believe the lie that it doesn't matter what you do. Now get this. All your works will never measure up to be the reason God saves you. It's never the grounds of your salvation. They could never be good enough. They'd be like filthy rags that way. There's only one perfect man. It was Jesus Christ. God sent him in love. He's God's own Son. He took on flesh. He lived a life we could never live so that He could be the grounds of your salvation. If you trust in Christ... God says not guilty, not because of any work you do, but only because of the work Christ did. But God didn't only just take care of our sin problem. He took care of our problem that can we change? Can we become different people? In Christ, God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can have a new field and a new path and actually change. And one day we're waiting for the time where it comes to that full completion when we're truly finished. We're crucified with Christ and will not sin again. We're waiting for that day. That's not going to happen until you die or Christ comes. But does that mean what you do doesn't matter? No. It matters. So I hope you heed the call of this text and uh are not deceived that you realize everything matters, and therefore you sow to the spirit. Let's pray, Father, <clears throat> thank you, thank you, Lord, that even through a text that looks obscure at first, we can we find out how to live as a Christian here. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. I pray that You would get behind uh, in Your power any action we do. We recognize we wouldn't be able to do anything if You didn't make us alive in Christ. Father, I pray that You would help us as we walk in the Spirit. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.